Hey New Geners. Unfortunately we had a few issues with the microphone for this particular preach so you will notice that there are a few gaps in the sermon. Just a few points had to be taken out because the microphone cut out mid-sentence. So if there's a little bit of a lack of flow in some of the thoughts that's why. But it doesn't take away from the overall message. It's 99% intact so enjoy. Awesome, thanks Russ. Um, that's been my prayer as uh, Russ has just prayed as well. Uh, for God to just move powerfully through me this morning. I'm just the, the vessel for today. Um, but uh, yeah, I've just been praying and trusting that God will, will speak to each and every one of us this morning, myself included. Uh, as much as I preach this message, I'm preaching it to myself. Um, so please hear my heart. Um, it's amazing, hey, just just worshipping together. How good is it to actually gather together again um, after many weeks um, and almost almost a year of lockdowns. Um, it's amazing, hey? Uh, I, I feel like the enemy's tried to silence the church. Um, uh, we, we need to be awake to what's going on around us. Um, we need to be in prayer. Um, I want to encourage all of you um, just to press in on God um, because now is the time more than ever um, as we see, the days are getting uh, darker, um, things are changing around us, and we, we need to be aware of what's going on. Um, but thankfully, but God, Amen. right? Uh, we serve an amazing God, so I'm going to rip through. So if we can start with Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. It's just amazing, amazing as we've been worshipping this morning, a lot of the songs we've been singing are actually... A lot of the words I'll be sharing today as well, uh, that God is sovereign, um, that He is, has all authority, um, and that, that authority has been given to us. So um, you'll see that come to life as, as I share the word this morning. But Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 says, By wisdom the Lord founded the earth, by understanding He created the heavens. And then if we can uh, switch to Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12, and I'll just rip through these, but you, the guys can put them up. But God made the earth by His power. We've been singing about that this morning. And He preserves it by His wisdom. With His own understanding, He stretched out the heavens. Romans 16 verse 27 says, All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Job chapter 12 and verse 13. But true wisdom and power are found in who? God. Amen. Counsel and understanding are His. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. He has showered His kindness on us, yeah. along with all wisdom and understanding. So... Just some amazing scriptures. I could, there's, there's loads I could share. I'll be touching on a few more, but I, you probably guessed by now what my topic would be. I'm just uh, I'm going to be sh- preaching on um, one of the attributes, the, one of the most amazing attributes of God, and that, that, that is God is wise. And 
trying to seek that wisdom out for myself. Um, I've sought other resources to help me with that. Um, a great man by the name of A.W. Tozer once said, the English language, you will notice, has, has succeeded in creating new words by uniting one word to another. For instance, we take the word science, meaning knowledge, and we unite it to the word omni, meaning all, and we create omnis- omniscience. We take the word potent, meaning powerful, and unite it to the word omni to create omnipotence. God is infinitely wise. And so that is the title of my message today, is that God is wise. Um, not only is God wise, but as Tozer states, he is infinitely wise. Um, some time ago, I shared um, some messages on other attributes of God, and I, I think I shared on that uh, the sovereignty of God and that God is infinite. And I talked about resources and how here on earth, you know, we've only got a, a finite amount of resources here, uh, but not God. God is infinite. Do we, do, we, do we understand that? Is that He is the God of all resources. He is almighty. He is powerful. Um, so, in other words, God is immeasurable. Um, the word infinite is e- extremely or endlessly, countlessly, enormously, vastly. And as my son said yesterday, when we came across just walking through the mall, uh, the, the word infinite, and I said, oh, what does that mean, Noah? What is infinite? And he said, it means never-ending. <laughs> Such wisdom in a nine-year-old. <laughs> so, he's in the spirit. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah, that's amen, bro. <laughs> um, so, the first two scriptures I, I read this morning uh, when I started this was the Proverbs 3.19 and, and Jeremiah t- uh, 10 and verse 12. Tell us that the Lord founded the earth. Established and stretched out the heavens by wisdom. One of the guys at the Oz Equip, uh, he said that the, the, the Lord upholds it. He upholds all of this with his hand and with the power of his word. He could roll it up, all of it up in an instant. There are many verses in the Bible that speak about the wisdom of God. And so the, this morning, I'm not going to prove to you that God is infinitely wise because we as believers of God already know that um, and accept that God is wise because God is God. Um, And if he says he is wise through his word, then we believe that he is. I have to believe that God has to be good or earth would be a hell and hell a heaven. You and I have to acknowledge that God is both good and wise or we have no rock to stand on, no way to do any thinking, reasoning, believing, So we must begin with the assumption, not a guess, not a hope, but a knowledge that God is wise. But someone will ask, if God is good and wise, how do you explain sickness and disease and prison camps, mass executions, wars, poverty, and all other evils that are in the world? Many people are suffering in pain or go about without a leg or an arm or are deaf or blind. And if God is good and wise, so there once was a very, very wise man. He was not only wise, but he was also very rich, to the point of having all the money in the world. I thought I'd get some amens. Um, He decided to build the most beautiful palace 
the world has ever seen. He gathers the finest designers, artists, and architects. So that would be in our context, Tracy, (laughs) Hannah, Jacob. Who else is an architect here? A designer. Put your hand up. Anyone? Oh, Frank, we'll include you now because you can do interior design. (laughs) I won't go there. (laughs) You'll have to ask Frank. Um, So he takes the finest designers and says to them, money's no object. Go for it. There's no budget. (laughs) Amen. We're going through this at the moment. So there is some context to what I'm talking about here. Um, And he says, I want the floors to be gold. I want the walls started with diamonds and other jewels, etc., etc. And we we heard last week, um, Russ put that beautiful picture up on the screen there about the temple and the pilgrims, pilgriming back to want to be with God. Even if they weren't allowed into the temple... They just wanted to be there and it was part of like who they were as a people that they, you know, they get to stand outside the building where God is, you know, in the Holy of Holies. Um, you see that's, that, that beautiful temple and, and, and the amount of money that was put in. So I'm kind of, there's a, I'm reflecting kind of that picture here. Um, so they get to work and build the most beautiful building the world has ever seen. This building makes the Taj Mahal look like a barn. One year later, the political fortunes change and a conquering army comes in and takes over the country where this palace is. The soldiers come in and take over the palace, these rough and tough soldiers who care nothing about beauty, nothing about art, about diamonds and gold. They could care less. They spit on the floor and throw their beer cans all over the place until eventually the palace is filled with dirt, Old rags, rubbish, and filth of every kind. Meanwhile, the very wise man, being very wise, uh, and the artists and the designers um, who built the palace have fled the country for their own safety. Um, And two people walk by the palace and one turns to the other and says, there's the great palace. The people walk past and and, and, uh, they basically say, that's the greatest concentration of universal beauty known in the world. And the other person says to them, well, I don't see that um, or smell it. It smells like a pig pen, mate. Mm. This was built in Australia, by the way. That's why it's true. (laughs) It's a pig pen. How can you say it's beautiful? And the other responds and says, just wait a while. There's been a war. This is occupied country. Things will change and the tyrant will be driven out. One year later, this brutal army is driven out. Then the very wise and rich man returns, (laughs) wisely after they've been driven out, and says to his artists and designers, let's get to work and clean this place up. And after a a year of work, it returns to its former glory. Well, once God let his wisdom loose and created man. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, he said, Let us, meaning the team, God, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Then he made a garden eastward in Eden and he put man in it. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, he said to man, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. And all the men said, Amen. I will, I will make a helper suitable for him. <laughs> and for Jacques. And so we know that God took a rib from Adam and made a woman and he called her Eve. Then Satan came into the garden and wound himself about the limbs of the tree of life. He began to whisper insinuations against God. And then the fortunes of moral war changed. Satan took over and man sinned, betraying the God who had made him. That which used to be the most beautiful of all gardens in all the world, radiant with all God's creatures, made in the image of God, now is turned into a pig pen. God's wise plans will be carried out. The soldiers of the devil march up and down in it. They catch God's beauty and destroy it and turn it into a pig pen. But God, he hasn't surrendered and gone away forever. No, God says, I'm running creation. And soon he is going to send his son, Jesus, to return to earth. But we're going to have to be patient and trust God right now because we are under occupation. We've been declaring that God is our king and almighty and all-powerful in the songs we've been declaring. And there is a time right now that we are living in, right now, um, that the devil and his um, demons are, are out there. They are, they are a force to be reckoned with. And we just need to trust in God. There is no pain, no suffering in heaven and that is where Jesus is seated right now. And people are worshipping him right now. The angels are bowing down and declaring the goodness of God. It tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 19 to 22. You can pop this one up. Romans 8 verse 19 to 22. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was sub subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So now that we have established that, that God created heaven and earth, he created man in his image and Eve, um, and then came the fall of man. Sin entered the world, and we are now under foreign corruption. With that in mind, I want to now explore the question, if God is wise, then how is his wisdom made known to the world today? Well, thankfully, God has given us the Bible to reveal how he will make known his wisdom. So if we could all turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use who? The church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the who? unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through who? Jesus Christ. 
Christ our Lord. So point number one, if you're taking points, he uses his church. That's you and I. To what? To display his wisdom. In the NIV, if you've got the NIV, that's mainly what I read, I've been reading for years, but it, it actually says in uh, so chapter, chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And that word manifold in the Greek is poikilos. <laughs> I've just read how they pieced it together. <laughs> is that right, Anthony? <laughs> Um, sorry, Antti, I didn't mean to point you out there, but there are some that understand the Greek language more than others. Um, yes, I'm, I'm one of the others. Um, <laughs> and that word means much variegated, marked with a great variety of colours, a cloth or a painting, or in other words, this multicoloured, multifaceted, Beautiful artwork of his wisdom is now put on display where? At the world's largest museum, the Louvre Museum in Paris, oui, oui. Um, or perhaps Baden Powell, right here. Amen. His wisdom is on display through the church. That's you and I. It's amazing, really, that God can use people like us. I'm blown away that God can use me. So, um, so why? Point number two, to be made known to who? To all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it's not just the seen realm that we can see, you and I. It's good to know that, you know, you guys are doing amazing things for God and we're on display and we're showing the rest of the world the seen world. But think about it from that perspective is you're actually showing the unseen rulers and authorities because there is an unseen realm, the spiritual realm, the forces of darkness. What we've just spoken about, we're under occupation. But God... But God is using us to show the, the world and the unseen that we represent Him. Did you know that the enemy knows who we are? If you're going, having a difficult time, I'm telling you, he knows who you are because he's trying to make your life difficult. Ephesians 6 and verse 12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. And authorities of the unseen world. Scripture's clear. Against mighty powers in this dark world. So as, mu- as much as this world is beautiful, it's also dark. You know, we can go about with our head in the clouds. Sometimes that's a good thing, way to live. What do I mean by that? I mean, everything that happens to me, I'm going to see, you know, God's hand in it all. And God uses all those things. For he is good. The Bible tells us that. But also we need to be aware 
that this world is dark. You only have to look around and see what's going on to see that. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Amen. Amen. And we, we know if you, if you read the whole word of the Bible, it tells us what happened at the fall and, and there was a great um, war in heaven and God threw Satan down and it, he brought a third of the angels, right? So we know that there's a... There's a demonic stronghold and there's an, there's, a, there's an enemy, there's an army that is wanting to like come against the kingdom of God. He hates us. And that's why in the garden, he wanted to deceive Eve and Adam and take him out. But thankfully, we have a God who is wiser than the enemy. All authority has been given to us to make this known. We, the church, have this responsibility. This is the mission, the assignment, the task, the mandate. How? Through whom? Whose wisdom? Point number three, whose wisdom? God's wisdom through Jesus. Our vision is to know God and to make him known. We talk about that a lot. But that's our mission, isn't it, here on earth, is to know God and to make him known. Verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 3 says, This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what was his eternal plan? So let's zoom out, take a helicopter view of this passage in context. Let's read from verse 6. In Ephesians 3. And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to who? Christ Jesus. By God's grace, and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in who? I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So his plan was to send Jesus Christ to earth 
as a man, have him die in the most horrific way known to man by being crucified on a cross. I would never want to die that way unless Jesus called me to it. So that through the sanctifying blood of Jesus, we could be reconciled back to God. So that we can make known the manifold wisdom of God to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. When you think about your purpose and that God has called each and every one of us, don't just think it's to display Jesus Christ to others in the, in the seen realm. Think of it from this perspective is that I'm on show. There's a, I need to demonstrate and declare the goodnesses to what's going on in the unseen. Point number four, how are we to make him known? We see that after Jesus' death and resurrection, he appeared to the disciples in Matthew, and Jesus gives them, gives them the Great Commission. So let's read it, Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18, says, Jesus came and told his disciples... I have been given some limited all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you sometimes, always, even to the end of the age. Amen for that, hey? Wow. Can you imagine for a moment that you're one of the disciples and you've just witnessed his miracles, his teachings, his friendship, and then his death. And then he comes to you, Jesus, King of the universe, three days or whenever this, however many days this was after, and walks over to you and says, go, it's your turn now. But be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the book of Matthew finishes there. Poignant that it just finishes there. To me, it's like, okay, What's next? Well, he's given you the baton. It's just an amazing picture. So how are we to make him known? I'm going to land with this. God in his wisdom gave us his word to reveal to us who he is. And he also gave us his Holy Spirit, which leads and guides us into all truth. And it is a deposit. What is a deposit? Has anyone put a deposit down on anything before? Down payment, right? Guaranteeing what is to come. And then he says in Matthew 28, as we've just read, therefore go and make disciples. Friends, our mission, the great commission, the co-mission with Jesus is to go and make disciples. We've heard teaching on this over the years from Tom, um, 
it's the imperative is to the word there is to make it's it's crucial it's imperative that we make disciples even if it's hard even if it's inconvenient even if i don't get to do the things i want to do we must teach them to obey not some of but all of the commands he has given us that is every christian's calling not just up to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Yes, they have an important part to play and a responsibility to equip God's people to do His work and to encourage and build up the church. As the scripture tells us in Ephesians 4, we are to know Christ, like Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. If we could bring that up, guys, uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, and then part of, uh, and then 10 to 11. It says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain. Christ. In verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Just an amazing heart attitude is that Paul is going, I understand everything else in my life, but I discard it. I put it behind me. He sees the infinite value. He's had a revelation of who God is and that, that everything else, who God is is superior to everything else in his life. Here is a guy that wrote 13 books of the New Testament, 14 if you include the book of Hebrews. Um, and he makes this incredible statement. But Paul was just human, just like you and I. Yes, he was chosen by God to preach to the Gentiles, but he also had to make some choices. He was human, and yet he understood the infinite value of knowing Christ. And not only that, but God made Christ known. <laughs> if there was a guy who made Christ known, it's Paul. He is saying that knowing Christ is superior to everything else in my life. I read that and I have to ask myself that question, do I view Christ for his word? It's a mirror. It gets right to our hearts. Life. Because if he is, we will see it in your life. Others will see it in your life. Do we put God first in our life? Before the family, before work, before I've just got to go here, I've just got to do that. I'm going to get strong now passionate because i believe that, that as the church we need to wake up a little and we need to put some rocks in place we we preach a lot about prayer and home group and church go and read the book of acts they devoted themselves to the fellowship to the breaking of bread to the apostles teaching we are the church just imagine for a moment that 
you were transported from here and you went into heaven and you just got a glimpse and you were, your eyes were open to heaven. Now God says, go back and tell them about me. I think our life would be very different. I know, I'm speaking, preaching this to myself. If I'm speaking from my heart, it's because I know it would be. So we, there's pictures of heaven here in, in the word. Have we read them lately? Because I think if we put popped our head into heaven, saw what was going on there, came back to earth, we would live our lives very different. <laughs> but Paul popped his head into heaven and then I'm living for the king. Everything else is garbage. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And I believe Paul understood this. He had a fear of God. I mean, he physically was blinded on the road to Damascus. We know the story. You can go read it in the book of Acts. There was a fear of God in his life. Let me ask you, church, do you still have that, that fear of the Lord? I mean a, a good, healthy fear. God could wipe us out with one, one word. But he is gracious and he is merciful and he is loving and he is compassionate and he wants to restore lives. He's in the business of restoring lives. This isn't meant to be a heavy word. This is meant to be an encouragement. It's to put our head into heaven, have a look, and now we live out lives differently here on earth. We display the manifold wisdom, the multitude. We paint the picture to the, to, not only to the seen, but to the unseen rulers and authorities. What a privilege we have to serve, to make known his wisdom, to make known his wisdom to the lost, people who don't know him and heard the good news, that there is a God who loves them. Man, God is good. God is infinitely wise. Amen. Amen. I just, just want to pray for us this morning, if I can. Um, just maybe you could all stand and I'll collect my thoughts. We've been singing this morning about Jesus and how he's king and how he's Lord, how he's sovereign how he has all authority. And if I just want to invite you if, you, if you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to assume everyone here is saved. I hope we all are. Um, but I want to pray with you. And I, I'll pray for all of us as a church that um, we have a revelation of this stuff and, and that God works it out. So Lord, we just come before you, Lord. We just, we thank you, Lord, that that you have given us 
the word that you have given us, Jesus Christ, to display here on earth. Lord, through your wisdom, we thank you that you have made it clear. You have made this mystery plain, as Paul puts it in, in the word. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us, that, that you sent your son, Lord, that even though um, earth became corrupted at the beginning, at the fall, Lord, we thank you that you had a plan, an eternal plan, to send Jesus to come to earth as a baby, grow up and die on the cross for us, to shed blood on the cross. I just pray for those right now that maybe don't know you, that they would come and just repent of anything that is holding them back, Lord, recognizing that they need you. Lord, you are the only way. Whoever believes in you shall not perish but have eternal life, your word says. And so, Lord, I just pray that through the prayer now, Lord, that um, we just repent of any sin that is in our hearts, in our minds, Lord, that things we've done in our past, Lord, and we give it all to you. And we say thank you for your blood. Thank you that you came and you died for me on the cross. Thank you that you paid the ultimate price, that you stood in the way, and that I deserve that. We thank you for the amazing resurrection and of the Father in heaven now, and the angels worship you. All of heaven worships, worships you, Lord. We, we thank you that, uh, that we get to be in heaven with you eternally. We thank you for your, the promise that we see in your word. Thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, I just pray for us as a church, Lord, that as your word is clear, that you want to display your wisdom through us, through the church, Lord, to the world, not just the seen, but in the unseen. Lord, I pray that we would walk away from here today with that mindset, always remembering that what we do is displayed for all to see. But we thank you that, that we can be more than conquerors in you. We thank you for your, that you give us victory. We thank you that you've given us all authority to go and to make disciples. And Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, we would do some adjustments in our, in our hearts and minds and we would bring them into line with what your word says to do. Lord, we do want to devote ourselves to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer, to the apostles' teachings. Lord, we want to know you. Just like Paul said, I want to know Christ. And consider everything else garbage so that we can declare and make known who you are. Help us, Lord. We are weak. We need your strength. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us now and, and encourage us to persevere, to fight the good fight. Just like Paul says, Lord, we want to persevere and endure and run the race. Lord, we thank you that you've defeated the enemy that you've conquered him and that we know that we get to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord. Bless your church. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.